Good morning. My name is Andrew Crosby. I'm the missions minister here at the church, and uh, I'm so thankful to get to preach today on this Global Impact Sunday. So a little over 10 years ago, we, we switched to Global Impact instead of doing the seasonal mission offerings, uh, you know, Lottie Moon at Christmas, Annie Armstrong at e- Easter. We, we combined them all into one ongoing missions offering called Global Impact. And then to celebrate, we, we created this Global Impact Sunday where we have opportunities to pray, to give, and to go. And so that, that's really our challenge for us as a church. We, we want to be a church that is praying, giving, and going as a whole and as individuals. And so that's, that's our challenge today. Um, we're celebrating also. We, we brought in uh, last year over $60,000 for Global Impact. And so that money is spread about um, internationally and here in our city to make the name and the love of Jesus known um, through missions. So thank you for giving. Thank you for praying. Thank you for going. Uh, we're going to start out in Acts 1 today as we look at Jesus leaving and leaving the disciples there and the church there, asking themselves, what, what do we do? What is our mission? What are we supposed to be about? So that's where we're going to be today. Acts 1, starting in verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help us today to see you in your words. Give us comfort from your hope, strength in the presence of your spirit, and confidence to move out in your mission. God, speak to us in what we need to hear, and help us to wait on you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke, is, uh, is the same author here for the book of Acts. And so he continues telling the story. He said, you know, Theophilus, in the first edition, I told you all the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. And now I'm going to tell you the things that Jesus is continuing to do and to teach through his body on earth by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's continuing this story. All the things that we heard in, in the Gospel of Luke are continuing now in the book of Acts as the church takes on the role of Christ's body here on earth. 
In verse 3, he says, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. This is, this is big, you know, because they have witnessed a lot in this time, the death, the burial, and then they're getting to bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is present, the resurrection happened, and he appears to his followers. His followers needed that proof. They needed to know that this really happened. They needed to know that their lives are not wasted, and they need to know that there, there is a future hope. So Jesus needed them to know beyond any doubt that he was really alive. So he makes this appearance to many of them at different times, to more than one together. He wanted them to know, to see, to touch, that this was Jesus in the body. This wasn't just the Spirit. We today are encouraged by that proof as well. We're encouraged by those who saw, by those who told, and by those who kept retelling the story for others to hear and believe. You see, I think this is one of the strongest arguments for faith in Christ. Why would these followers risk their lives, be tortured, if the resurrection hadn't happened? Why would they continue in this way if it had really died with Jesus? What did they have to gain by continuing in a lie, even up to death? If Jesus died and that was the end, then that was the end of the Christian faith as well. But Jesus is alive, and that's where our hope is. Jesus continues to teach them about the kingdom of God. The goal hasn't changed, you see. He's letting them know that everything he was teaching them had a purpose, and it's going to continue even now. Here's the paradox of the kingdom of God, though. It, it's, it's already present, but it's not yet fulfilled. In Mark 1, 15, Jesus begins his ministry by saying, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the kingdom begins with Jesus, but it's not yet complete. In Matthew 6, we're taught to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that, we're asking God to bring about the fullness of his kingdom. We realize that things aren't right, that things aren't as they should be. So we ask God to make it right, to make it whole, to make the kingdom on earth just like it is in heaven. So this kingdom of God is both present and future. In Acts 1, 6, and 7 here, we see the disciples trying to grasp that. They ask again, you know, is this the time you're going to restore Israel? Is this the fullness of the kingdom of Israel? And they still miss it a little bit, you know. But he responds and says, it's not for you to know the time or the place. This is God's concern. This isn't your concern. Then we need to wait for the Spirit. Jesus tells us in verse 8 that the power we're going to receive is not the power of an earthly kingdom. You know, the disciples weren't going to have cabinet appointments. They weren't going to be sitting on thrones in power on earth. Their power is coming from somewhere else. Verse 8 says, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. God is not leaving us to handle things on our own, thank goodness. God is equipping us and empowering us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us and with us. Our comfort and guide, our power and authority. And then we see in verse 8 also that God is moving us out into ever-widening circles. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This, this here serves as a guide for the book of Acts, too. They, the, the church starts out in Jerusalem, 
and then spreads to Judea and Samaria. And then by the end of it, we're getting these missionary journeys that are out into the Roman Empire. This can also be a guide for us as we think about our Jerusalem. That's here. That's, that's New Orleans. That's where you are. God is saying, be my witnesses where you are. Be present with the people, but don't stop there. It's going to spread out to Judea, which is more of a regional thing. And then to Samaria, which takes us cross-culturally, right? The Samaritans were not just like the Jews. So, so Jesus is saying here, your mission is for all people. There's no one excluded from the kingdom of God. And Jesus let us know that then it goes to the ends of the earth. This is a kingdom for the whole world. No one is excluded from God's love. No one is excluded from God's kingdom. As we look at that, we see that we're called to be witnesses. How does your circle need to widen? Are you stuck in Jerusalem? Are you limiting the work of God to just where you are? Are, you, are, are there people or places that are off limits for you to share the love of God? We're also challenged not to run ahead of God. In verse 4, Jesus says, um, he's ordering them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Without the power of the Spirit, we lack boldness and authority. Our mission is limited if we are not moving in the Spirit. So he tells them to wait. You need this. You can't do it on your own. I think here, uh, this may be American, this may just be kind of Western, uh, but, but our tendency is to not wait. We want to run on. We want the next step. We want answers. We want to move. But sometimes we have to wait. And moving without the Spirit ends up harming us in the end. I think as a church, we can feel that right now, right? We're in a period of waiting without a pastor. I feel it, you feel it. But I think this is where we are, and we don't want to move forward without the Spirit, right? So make that your prayer. Pray for patience. Pray for guidance. Pray for the Spirit to move us where we're headed next. And when I get anxious and worried, when I try to rush things on, you can remind me of that as well, okay? In verse 7, we're reminded that only God knows the time. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. It's not our job to hurry God's work or to hurry God's kingdom. We move in God's power, authority, and time. We can't do it on our own. But we also can't just stand there either. Verse 11 says, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? You know, there's a sudden presence of two men in white robes. I, I think that would be a little scary for them at the time. But I think there's also some comfort in that. They realize that God's presence is with them still. Jesus is gone. They've just watched Jesus, but they know he's going to return. And they know that they're not left on their own. The disciples needed that comfort. And we need that comfort. This reminds me a little bit of uh, our youngest daughter, Evie. And uh, Evie is 19 months old, and she is very attached to my wife, Allie. And uh, Allie just said, in fact, as they were pulling into the parking lot today, when Evie saw the church, she said, no, because she knew that meant she's going to be separated from Allie and in childcare. So, Shan and workers, I'm sorry. Um, hopefully she stopped crying by now. But my wife is also a nurse, and she works night shifts, so she's getting ready for work in the middle of the day. She works 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., 
And uh, that can be a trying time for Evie. So her routine, Allie's, is different than ours. And, and so she starts to get ready. And when Evie sees her in scrubs, the tears start rolling. She knows what's coming. So there's a good bit of, of whining and crying. And there's very little I can do at that moment. Because Allie is up here. And I'm her second person, I think. But I'm, I'm way down here. It's, it's like... It's a, it's a good separation. It's like saints and falcons separation. It's, it's, it's deep. So I try as best I can to comfort her. Um, and then when Allie leaves, the tears increase. You know, mama, mama. And it's terrible. So Allie has to start off work every day being like, I'm a terrible mom. I'm leaving my child crying. And so we have to repair all of that all the time. But I, I comfort her. I comfort her. I say, come here. It's okay. It's okay. When she leaves, you know, it, it, it's mom. It's the one she loves. And she's, she's saying, really, you're going to leave me with this guy again? <laughs> um, she knows there's... <laughs> uh, she knows that. And uh, so I try to comfort her the best I can. I, I say things like, mama loves you. You know, she's gone now, but she's coming back. We're doing what we're supposed to. You're safe. You're safe. Mama's coming back. That's what we get here. This is the comfort we need in this promise. A lot of times we feel like we're alone. We feel like we've been left. And we need the Spirit. We need each other to remind us. It's okay. You're not alone. He's coming back. We're okay. You're doing what you're supposed to. So the question then is, how do we prepare for that return when he's going to make everything right? And this is, this is me. This is what I think. I think we prepare ourselves for the return of Christ, not by standing and looking into heaven, but by participating in the work of the kingdom. You see, it's easy for us to see how big the problems are. We all know that things aren't as they're supposed to be. We see the ideal world, and we know we're far from it. And when we see that, it's tempting to just give up, to stop, to stop doing what's right, to stop following Jesus, to lose hope. But that's not our job. We cannot give up. We cannot lose hope. Our job is to practice the presence of God's kingdom even now, even when it's unfulfilled and seems distant. We are Christ's body here on earth. Christ has no other body than us, the church. So if, if, if things are going to get done for the kingdom of God, it's going to be our hands, our feet, our willingness to follow in the power of the Spirit. As we live this way, we're also being prepared for the time when things are made right. For when we see God's kingdom in fullness, God shapes us by the work of the kingdom that we participate in even now. We are God's witnesses. What have you seen? How have you been changed? I don't think there's any aspect of the faith that is more compelling to your friends, neighbors, coworkers, and family than what God has done in your life. So tell them. In Acts 1, when this story is taking place, these witnesses are vital. People wanted to know if this could really be true. Did Jesus really come back to life? Was he present, not just in spirit, but in the flesh? Was this really God moving among us? So they asked people, they went to others, what did you see? What have you heard? Tell me how you've experienced Jesus. This is our job as well. The foundation of our faith is built on the witnesses that came before us. And now it's up to us. We are his witnesses. And the words that move the disciples then are the words that move us now. 
Don't just stand there looking and waiting. Do what you've been called and empowered to do. Pray with me now. God, move us through your spirit and through your words. Help us to be comforted by the hope that we have in you, that you are alive, that you are risen, that you are with us still. Help us to wait for the presence and power of your spirit and give us confidence to walk in your kingdom even now. God, help us to see you and to trust you and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.